The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you and yours. Mike Opelka continuing the Opelkathon, the Pure Opelkathon. We just wrapped up three hours on the Glenn Beck program. I hope you were there. I am here. In a completely different studio, devoid of cameras and other distractions, although we do have the handy-dandy Blaze Bullhorn. So uh, I don't hope uh, that it is required to be used, but uh, we will get to it. Open lines today. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. What did you think about yesterday? When it was all said and done and when it was all over and we finished Comey Fei 2017, what did you think? Do you, did you think, as Trump has claimed, as his lawyer has claimed, Mark Kasowitz, that it was complete vindication? That's what his attorney said, that the president feels completely vindicated by what happened, by the information that came out. You know, parts of me think he was vindicated on a couple of issues, and parts of me wonder if he was not vindicated on a couple of issues. And I guess that just means what, what most of us have already figured out. This is going to continue going. This is actually going to continue going and going and going and going and going. And it's, it's the way that the GOP will be prevented from getting anything done. If you were here for the third hour of the Glenn Beck program, you heard me talking to Louis Gohmert, and Louis was expressing his frustrations with the fact that the GOP wasn't able to deliver on any of the things that they were hoping to deliver on, any of the promises that they made. And that, that's got to be really frustrating, but also it's got to be something that your opponents are going to hold up when it comes to the midterm elections and say, look, this, this wasn't able to be done. This, this did not happen. So it's, uh, it's a really interesting thing and something we need to watch. Uh, I, I hope we don't get embroiled in investigation after investigation after investigation, and this just becomes four years of an inquest. But now that Robert Mueller's on the case, he's not going to have any report for about a year. So it's very bizarre. 
very bizarre to me. But as we mentioned yesterday and as we covered yesterday, there's more than just Jim Comey going on. We didn't cover this yesterday. I got a note from uh, Glenn saying, you know, you missed you missed uh, Big Brother turning 68. <laughs> Wait, what? Big Brother is 68 years old? Yep. George Orwell's book, 1984, which bears reading again and again and again, um, was published on June 8th of 1849 and it gave us you know a bunch of different movies it gave us uh phrases like big brother uh we talked about uh, all kinds of interesting things uh in relationship to uh big brother and 1984 the ministry of truth the ministry of love the ministry of peace most of these were uh paradoxes ironically named there's so much in 1984 that keeps coming back. We're like, wait, wait a minute. In, if you remember in 1984, the screens that were meant to give information from the Ministry of Truth were actually recording. So they were spying on you. Anyone have that feeling? Uh, oh, my God, we have that with our computers. Ask Cheryl Atkinson. In our very home, we kept having an issue where our computers would wake up in the middle of the night. You would leave your computer asleep, and then suddenly there would be a bright light from the office next door to the bedroom because we never closed the doors. And there was a bright light that would shine at about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, almost every night. And I was wondering what the heck was going on. But the reality was somebody was accessing the computer and turning on our computer every night. Now, I don't know if it was anyone in the government because I don't think, well, first of all, they wouldn't have found anything because it wasn't my computer. It was my wife's computer. And if they would have found anything, it would have been the latest plots for a soap opera she was writing on. So what they would have learned was what Patch or or Laura were up to in the mystery. So good for you, spies, if you got it. It's just very bizarre. But so I believe, I believe that a lot of the evil that's going on today, these people, these people may have been schooled by 1984, may have been schooled by George Orwell. Think about the concepts that popped up. Thought crimes, thought police, newspeak, doublethink. Big brother. Just the term Orwellian that we have used probably in the last 24 months, more than we had used since high school when we all read the book and discussed it. It's worth revisiting. You know, there are some good things that that 1984 gave us. Uh, I know, I know. What do you mean? How can we have good things? You're talking about Big Brother. Well, I, I still go back to that Apple commercial that aired one time in the Super Bowl. It's, it's since been preserved on the internets, but it's kind of a 1984-inspired moment where the, the masses are being lectured to by the giant 
head on the screen, kind of like a big brothery thing. And the radical woman comes running down the center aisle and stops and spins and throws the hammer through the screen. And it just basically said, Apple is coming. And sure enough, years later, what do we have? Apple everything. The most powerful, wealthiest company on the planet. It depends on the stock price today, but Apple, based on its, its valuation, its cash and stock price valuation, is basically the most valuable company on the planet. I remember that groundbreaking commercial. And I, I was telling people about it because it, was, it aired at a time where we didn't have uh, DVRs. And if you had a VCR, you had to be smart enough to be taping whatever was on. And generally, we didn't tape the Super Bowl because it was so long. You, 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 if you ran a six-hour tape, it was so grainy. You couldn't get any kind of good quality. So basically, that, that spot ran once. Everybody talked about it. Didn't run again for probably 20, 30 years. Very interesting. So that's a little bit of slice of history. I've got more history to discuss today, as well as some, uh, some kind of hot topics that are ticking me off. Um, I'm upset that we're basically repurposing, re- we're recycling the news. The Comey thing was part one. But the obsession today with some in the media who are all, all hot about the fact that Melania Trump is finally moving into the White House. Can we not make this a story? This is not news. This is exactly what the Trump family told us after, after the election, probably three or four days after the election. First of all, there was the, the shock that people had to get through on November 9th. And then there was the reality that, oh my God, Donald Trump has to move into the White House. What's he going to do? It's not as good of a place as he has in Trump Tower or Mar-a-Lago. Is he going to move down a notch in his living quarters? What's he going to do? Where will, where will Barron go to school? And the Trumps quickly said, almost, almost within a, a day or two of the election, well, Barron is going to finish out the school year in New York so we won't interrupt his life because he's a 10-year-old kid. Barron's going to stay in school in New York, finish that, and then we'll find him a school in D.C. And because they wanted to give the kid a stable home life, Melania was going to stay at home in New York. We knew this in November. So why is it a big story today? Melania's moving to D.C. No shock, people. And all of you... You Amy Schumers, you, uh, who's the other one? Chelsea Handler, the ladies on The View. Joy Behar, she should divorce him now. She should leave him now. I, I love it when Joy Behar gets all upset about the fact that Melania Trump might actually love her husband and they might have conjugal relations. And Joy, in all of her ironically named Splendor, Joy will say, Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Well, let's all imagine what Joy's other half has to experience. Can you imagine? No, Joy, we can't and we won't. 
And right now, there are legions of people listening to this radio show who are going, Mike, Mike, for those of us on the East Coast, for those of us in the Eastern time zone, we're trying to have lunch, and you're getting us to envision Joy Behar making whoopee with her other half. It's the greatest appetite suppression ever. And yes, it was intentional that I said making whoopee. Thank you. Thank you, those of you who got it. Michael Pelka stepping aside. When we get back, it's an unhinged show today already, if you haven't figured it out. It's a little loosey-goosey. Uh, I'm, I'm working on a vital question. And oh, 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 oh. Remember yesterday's discussion of Mothman in Chicago? Yeah. We actually have an expert who's going to talk to us about Mothman. We're going... I, I'm, I'm trying not to laugh. But we really have an expert who's going to talk to us about Mothman. It's in the third hour of the program. And by then, things will be way off the rails. This is Pure Opelka. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm a little ticked off at the president today. More, I'm more of a little ticked off at the White House, I guess. Just a little bit. They have scheduled, I almost said scheduled because I've been listening to the British news all day. They have scheduled a press conference with the president. He's going to talk about the Comey thing, and he will take questions. Now, it's been quite a while since the president has gone out in front of the cameras on a Friday. And you know one of the interesting things. Remember, this is realization of Trump's genius day uh, or week. We've been talking about the fact that Mike has realized Donald Trump's a genius. He has been able to troll so many members of the press. He has been able to troll so many members of the uh, Congress and uh, do it expertly so. But in a, in a week when all of the press spent the entire week just ramping up to the uh, Comey Feifei 2017, they all got all excited. And so after Comey Feifei 2017, they were ready to kind of sit on the sidelines and do nothing and leave early to get to their house in the Hamptons or their place on the Chesapeake. Whatever they do, whatever those press elites do, or, oh, I know what they do. They go up to Martha's Vineyard. That's what they do. So they were all ready for that. And then Donald Trump says, well, you know what? I think I'm going to hold a press event. I'm going to hold a news conference today at 2.45. And you know what that does? That totally screws the media. 
Because usually by Friday, by Friday at noon, everybody's out of D.C. All the news heads in New York City are out of, out of their offices. 30 Rock, Fox News, the Time Warner Center where CNN is headquartered. They're all out. They're headed to the Hamptons for the weekend. And all the, the PAs who work for them are all off to their Jersey Shore share houses. So Donald Trump holding a news conference today is the ultimate finger to the media because they all have to stay. <laughs> it's, it's really brilliant. Really brilliant, sir. We're also, um, we're also watching a couple of other things. The, the aftermath of the British election where, election where Theresa May lost the majority in the British Parliament and there was actually a discussion this morning that she might step down as Prime Minister. However, she did go meet with the Queen and that indicates that um, according to the folks that I talked to, there's a guy out of, out of London who does some really solid reporting named Simon Owen. Uh, the big SO on Twitter, if you want to follow him. Simon was saying that that, that means she's probably not going to uh, resign. She's not stepping down. The other one that we're watching, and uh, this, this one I think, while, while the, uh, rep- the Republicans should win this, currently the special election in Georgia for the 6th Congressional District, John Ossoff. I just love saying that name. John Ossoff is currently ahead in the latest polling by a pretty strong seven points. Now, the fact that he's up seven points uh, could be very much tied to the amount of spending that's going on. The Democrats are pouring money, pouring money into the most expensive house race in history. Ossoff campaign has raised $23 million and that's 15 million in the last two months alone. $15 million in the last two months alone. Handel in the same time raised 4 million. Republicans have spent about 12 million on the race, which is double what, what outside democratic groups have apparently spent. But the biggest player in that, the GOP Super PAC Congressional Leadership Fund, has spent $6 million on this race. So both sides are funneling money here. Both sides are trying to shove money into this district. Uh, Donald Trump barely won this district by two points. Mitt Romney beat Obama by 20 points in 2012. So it was... It was a 20-point comfortable victory in this district, in the 6th district in uh, Georgia. 20-point victory for Romney over Obama. And that, remember, that was a race that Obama handily won re-election. But then come 2016, the district has had an influx of uh, very different people. It's not the old southern red state red district that it was. But right now they say it's a more diverse, highly educated suburban district, which that's kind of like Hillary people. So no surprise that Trump barely eked out a win 
And no surprise as well when you start seeing the fact that these young Democrats, with all the money behind them, they're making everything about this Karen Handel campaign be a Donald Trump referendum. So you have to feel sorry for her. She's been, she's been slapped with the Trump sticker on her. She might as well have a Trump tattoo on her forehead. But we'll see. That, that race is, I think, two weeks away that we will see what happens. Uh, but the latest polling out of the Atlanta, Atlanta Journal-Constitution shows that um, Ossoff has a seven-point lead. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, we'll see if there's more. I, I don't know if there's more debating going on in that. When we get back, um, I want to tell you about the new trend in Democratic elected officials and how they use their words. It's a little disturbing to me. And for the people who said, when they go low, we go high, they're kind of maybe not understanding what that means. They're kind of flipping it around. Plus, uh, Nancy Pelosi's craziness. I played you a little bit of it this morning. Oh, there's more. There's more crazy from Nancy Pelosi. And uh, I'll share it with you today on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka, celebrating Friday, celebrating the fact that we're going to get a Trump news conference. Now, uh, the White House is ticking me off, too. Scheduling the news conference at 2.45 Eastern time. That means, you know what that means. That means 3.15. Trump time. Trump time is like 20 to 30 minutes after the scheduled time. So I'm not going to get to cover it live. I'll be able to be outraged about it privately in the other room during the Salcedo experience. Ah, makes me angry. I know, I know. Calm down. Get in off the ledge. When we went away, I was talking about the fact that uh, Nancy Pelosi is bad crap crazy. Oh, <laughs> oh, yes, of course. But there's also uh, a little bit more of a Trump derangement syndrome going on at uh, Morning Joe. The people at Morning Joe were, were a little crazy this morning. I, I played this very early on the Glenn Beck program. I don't know if you heard it, but Joe Scarborough must think he's funny. Must think he's clever. When Nancy Pelosi was on the program with them this morning, Scarborough gave her a rather unique introduction. Please. All right, we have uh, Speaker to be Nancy Pelosi with us. How are you doing this morning, Madam Speaker? How are you doing? Uh 
Speaker to be Nancy Pelosi. Oh, just stop, please. Pelosi is getting a lot of attention for what she said about wishing George Bush was president again. But there's some other stuff. I still think she was way out of line today when she talked about the president and she talked about telling the president to get some sleep. And and this came after, well, she claimed she told the president to get some sleep. I, I'm wondering if that really happened. This came after she was asked uh, a question about what she would say to Donald Trump. Um, besides telling the president not to tweet, if he came to you and said, I've got this problem with Russia, all these investigations, I really do want to get back to the people's business. What, what could he do? What would you advise him to do? What would I have advised him to do? Go to sleep. Yeah. Get some sleep. Yes. Bring yourself to a place where their synapses are working. You said that to him directly? I agree with you completely. <laughs> well, Mika's busy being a hype man. Mika's busy playing the role of one of those two Trump supporters. What are they, Diamond and Silk? You know, the one who always goes, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, sure, uh-huh. Instead of asking the next question, at least Mark Halperin was there. And despite my thoughts on Mark Halperin and his politics, Mark Halperin at least said, hold on a second, you told him that directly? Listen, while Pelosi is going on and on and Mika's egging her on instead of trying to get a little deeper, Halpern actually says, hold on, you, you asked him, you said that to him? To do. Go to sleep. Yeah. Get some sleep. Yes. Bring yourself to a place where their synapses are working. You said that to him directly? I agree with you completely. <laughs> Mika just kissing butt, but Halpern squeezed it in and I'm glad, I'm glad he didn't let go of it. You said that to him? Well, he called me the night of the Syria invasion not to go into the conversation was late at night like at midnight well after it was all finished he was going on and on i said well it was like midnight and i said why don't you go to sleep i think that um i think there's something not uh, uh more sleep might be a solution for him but the thing is, well, and is people just, just she almost she almost went further pelosi almost went further but the interesting thing i would bet good money and oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, if I were in that White House press room today, the first question, if I were ever allowed to have a question to the president, I would raise my hand and say, Mr. President, Nancy Pelosi says she told you to get some sleep, to go to sleep. Did that happen on the night of the Syria attack when we sent, first of all, Nancy, not an invasion, it was an attack. We sent 60 cruise missiles in to do a little Airplane work, 59 of them hit their targets. Thank you, American military superiority. But I would ask the question, Mr. President, Nancy Pelosi says she told you to get some sleep because you were you were going on and on on the phone call on the night. And it was after midnight, and she was apparently, it was past her bedtime. I wonder what the, is there a, that's just a, a point of order here. What's the... What's the proper time that you could either turn turn off the phone if you're the former Speaker of the House? Because the president can never be out of touch. But the former Speaker, who seems to be perennially out of touch, uh, she was she said she told the president to go to sleep. But the the second part of this, Mike Barnacle, regular panelist on Morning Joe, 
wanted to get back to that issue of Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump and what she was almost going to say. And this happened like two minutes later. Moments ago, are you concerned about the president's health? I think his family should be concerned about his health. You know, for all of the discussions yesterday and all the comparisons yesterday to Donald Trump meeting with James Comey and people saying it was like a scene out of The Godfather and basically claiming or trying to claim that Donald Trump threatened Comey, you know, coming in the, come into the room, you usher everybody out of the room, you sit down with Comey, you only have two waiters from the Navy because they're, they're the ones who run the kitchen there. And they're bringing the food and the drinks in and out. No alcohol. And Comey's sitting there and according to him, just the two of them. And Donald Trump looks him in the eye and says, so you like your job? Now, if that was worded that way, I actually think that would be kind of rude. So you like your job? You like your job here, sport? It's, it's kind of, it, it kind of could be construed that way. So when Pelosi says what she just said, how is that not the same kind of tone? How is that? Listen to this again. President's health. I think his family should be concerned about his health. I think his family should be concerned about his health. His fam- Can you imagine... You're walking into somebody and they say, uh, you know, uh, hey, Shamont. Shamont, you know, first of all, turn your mic on for a second. Shamont Lynch, uh, you like your job here? Uh, sure. That's kind of weird, isn't it? It's kind of weird to be asked that question. So you like your job here, buddy? Yeah, I, I take that as a threat. Yeah, that's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah. And now how about if somebody goes... You know, Shamont Lynch's family should be concerned about his health. Yeah, I probably slapped him. That sounds like a that sounds like a threat, doesn't it? Yeah. The president's family should be, you know, what the president is doing here, he should be very concerned about his health. I'm not saying I'm not saying that a stray car could come across the boulevard and hit the beast as it's coming by, but if I were the president's family, I might make sure that his insurance was in order. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're going too far now. It's definitely, you say I'm, I'm going too far You're going too far. Well, let's get back to Pelosi. Here what she's, here's the rest of what she said. Meanwhile, the president's family should be concerned about his health. The, the fact is, is that this is hopefully not repairable. He is the- whoa, whoa, whoa. What did she say? Hopefully, this is where she went into Freudian slip mode. She tried to get out of the discussion of the president's health because I think even Nancy Pelosi knows that she just put her foot in her mouth or she stepped in something that she should not have stepped in. This is Pelosi raising the possibility that the president is not healthy. Now, let's remember that the president, the guy who doesn't smoke, the guy who doesn't drink, never had a drink, the guy who has told people, He's never even had the flu shot because he never gets the flu because he never gets sick. I have the video, the audio of it. If you want to hear it. No, I never get sick. I've never had a sick day. I never, I've never had the flu. I never get a flu shot. He's healthy. The woman that Nancy Pelosi wanted to win the election 
had to be carried out of a 911 memorial like a bag of potatoes and thrown into a van and driven up to a doctor at her daughter's apartment in Midtown. And let's not get to the cough. <laughs> I have to get a lozenge so I can get through my speech. Yeah, you're not worried about that one, but you think Donald Trump's family should be worried about his health. Nancy Pelosi. Uh, well, just to prove to you that she's, she's the one whose family, I think, should be concerned about her health. After all, she's been injecting all that botulism toxin, Botox, into her head. And I think it's really starting to get inside. I think it's creeping into the brain. What Nancy Pelosi said just shortly after this discussion is a little surprising. And I'll share it with you next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. I just finished a little snack, kind of a luncheon snacky thing. So I'm about to take Relief Factor, all natural Relief Factor. It's the anti-inflammatory that 13 plus weeks ago changed my life. It helped me get rid of all the chronic pain in my knees and my back and and my uh, hips three times a day. Three-week quick start plan is what you needed. Uh, it's what I tried. And and so did Todd Bennett. Listen to Todd's testimonial. So I got a job with a cable company. And in December 2005, I fell from the Highline pole. And morphine, Oxycontin, and all that stuff. I was in bed for the last probably eight years of my life. Got the relief factor two weeks later. I got up out of bed. I could go like this. I stood up. And it was just, wow, I mean, it, the pain wasn't all the, way to get, all the way gone. It's enough to where I could get out of bed in the morning. I look forward to getting up out of bed. Uh, I do yard work now, back in the wood shop, woodworking, and just actually living my life. I'm not, not dull no more, you know? <laughs> it's, it's an amazing thing to meet the people who have, have done what I did and what so many others have done is try Relief Factor. And if you give them a call... 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384, or go to relieffactor.com and do a little research yourself. Like Glenn always says, all natural, anti-inflammatory that has gotten me away from any painkillers, over-the-counter prescription, nothing. And I'm feeling so much better. Relief Factor. Get the three-week quick start pack, 1995. Give them a call, 800-500-8384. Back to Madam Pelosi. <laughs> oh, we have so much we have to hit with Madam Pelosi. She's entertaining, isn't she? That's the one good thing about it. She gives us a lot of entertainment. And we were talking about the fact that she was on Morning Joe this morning. Of course, the progressives at Morning Joe introduced her as the future Speaker of the House. They're waiting on a wave election. And I'll tell you what, unless we do our job, 
they're going to get a wave election. And what's our job? To get the Congress to do its job, the job we hired them to do. Fix it. Fix it. Fulfill your promises. Get stuff done. But Pelosi this morning made a statement that a lot of people scratching their heads going, huh? What? What did she say? Seriously, what did she say? Because I'm very respectful. I'm very respectful. Right. You can ask right. President Bush. We worked very closely mm-hmm. with him, even though we had our differences. We mm-hmm. we passed many things. The I biggest. I bet you're missing him now. Well, he told me I would. He said you're going to miss me, but he said that a long time ago. You're miss me as president. I wish he were president now. I wish Mitt Romney were president. I wish John McCain were president. Yeah. Huh? So Nancy Pelosi wishes Mitt Romney, John McCain. Or George Bush were president right now. She's lying. She's absolutely lying. I can tell you, I know, I have proof. There's a tried and true way of telling how Nancy and why and when Nancy Pelosi is lying. You, you just, you, well, you have to be able to see her to figure it out. She has a tell. You know, like in poker, when you're playing poker against somebody and they get a good hand and you can always, they have a tell, like they, they raise their right shoulder a little bit or maybe they scratch their ear when they have really good cards and you know they're trying to bluff around it. Nancy Pelosi has a tell when she's lying. Pelosi will look straight at the camera and I would say she would wrinkle her, her brow, but she can't because it's frozen. It got frozen in 2002 with the Botox. Pelosi looks at the camera and before she opens her mouth, the second her lips move, she's lying. And that's where it is. Michael Pelka stepping aside, wrapping up the first hour on Puro Pelka. When we get back, let's take a look at what's going on in the world. Cause there's some stuff happening. There's some things we need to talk about. There's some things we need to stand up and scream about. And there's some things we need to laugh about all that stuff. Cause it's Friday. Don't forget, we're going to find out more about Mothman in the third hour of the show. Mothman. You people in Chicago, pay attention. It's important. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Second hour of Pure Opelka on this Friday. Or if you're doing the new math, it's the... Fifth hour in the six hour pure Opelka Opelkathon. There is a press conference, a news conference coming up today with Donald Trump. And I have to feel sorry for Romanian President Klaus Iohani. I hope I pronounced that name right. But uh, the Romanian president is going to get the short end of the stick. T- Donald Trump is holding this news conference after he meets with the president of Romania 
And every question is is going to be about the Comey hearings and the president's charge of leaker, leaker, leaker. And I kind of got to agree with him on the leaker thing. Really kind of upset that, that uh, Comey said what he said and then had done what he had done. Telling us that he'd given access to those documents to his his buddy and said, hey, I hope you will leak these to the press. Kind of like when the president said to him, I hope you can see it in your heart to stop the investigation into my buddy, Michael Flynn. He's a good boy. Leave him alone. A little, a little mob backlash, huh? a little payback, a little irony. Also watching the news out of England, I have to tell you, I'm more than entertained by the the British election, especially not not the fact, I feel bad that the conservatives lost, that the Labor Party had a big gain and there's no real majority there. But, you know, they're going to, England will get through it. I don't know if it puts Brexit in any, any danger. Because I thought that vote was done and it's going forward, et cetera, et cetera. But I do know that, that Theresa May's got a, a problem. And I also think it's hilarious that the British election has a character named Lord Buckethead, who is, is actually standing in several pictures next to the Prime Minister. And if you. If you want to really have a good laugh on a Friday, you have to um, you have to go to Twitter. I have I tweeted the picture of Lord Buckethead. Lord Buckethead, who actually has a Twitter account and refers to himself as an intergalactic space lord. Lord Buckethead earned two hundred forty nine votes in the in the district of Berkshire. So Buckethead, while losing, did get 249 votes. He's been a candidate before. I shouldn't put a gender on Lord Buckethead because uh, Lord Buckethead's own bio actually has gone back and taken out any references to gender. Um, I'm just looking at it. Lord Buckethead campaigned on a platform of strong but, quote, not entirely stable leadership. Based on what I'm reading here from Lord Buckethead, this guy's the most honest politician in the entire country. A candidate with the exact same name also tried to upset Margaret Thatcher in 1987. He only got 131 votes. Buckethead also attempted to unseat John Major in 1992. Didn't do that well either. But uh, this 249 votes, this is a record for Lord Buckethead. This is a, this is a pretty big deal. Uh, the British people apparently are used to having a bunch of nut jobs running. They have the monster raving loony party. We have the Republicans. They have the Dem- we have the Republicans and the Democrats and the Independents and the Libertarians and a bunch of kooky parties. And in England, they have Labor, Conservative, and the monster raving loony party. I I just think it's fantastic. 
Now, Buckethead actually has printed a manifesto that's out there. Uh, in, in 2017, under the guise of his pitch for strong but not entirely stable leadership, Buckethead had seven simple things. Number one, abolition of the lords, with the exception of himself, because he is Lord Buckethead. He was the self-proclaimed lord. Number two, full facial coverings to be kept legal, especially bucket-related headgear. Number three in the manifesto, and you wonder, you have to wonder about the 249 people who voted for Lord Buckethead. Number three is no third runway to be built at Heathrow. Where we're going, we don't need runways. Now, this one I don't completely understand, and maybe it's something, a reference to something really awful, evil, or filthy. I don't know. Uh, the, the fourth item on Lord Buckethead's manifesto, again, which got him 249 votes in Berkshire, CFAX to be brought back immediately with the Oracle and other teletext services to be rolled out by next parliament. Uh, Lord Buckethead's fifth point out of his seven points on his manifesto that this guy, again, campaigning, tried to, tried to win a seat in parliament. The regeneration of Nicholson's shopping center, Maidenhead. So I guess he wants some old shopping center improved. Uh, the sixth element... Buckethead on Brexit. A referendum should be held whether there should be a second referendum. So, see, I think there may be something afoot. That the Brits, there may be a movement afoot among some of the British people to have another referendum on the referendum, although I thought the referendum was binding. And Lord Buckethead's seventh and final element and point on his manifesto regards nuclear weapons. Buckethead says a firm public commitment to build the $10 billion renewal of the Trident weapons system, followed by an equally firm private commitment not to build it. They're secret submarines. No one will ever know. It's a win-win. <laughs> so he wants, he wants a firm public commitment to spend $100 billion pounds to rebuild the Trident weapon system followed by an equally firm private commitment not to build it. I had no idea. I had no idea that there was this much division among the political elements. Uh, I'm going to post a picture of Lord Buckethead on the Twitter, on my Twitter account at StuntBrain, and you tell me, is this guy the knights who say, Ni! from Monty Python? He, he looks like, it looks like the 2017 version of the Knights Who Say Knee. And uh, if, I'm, if I'm wrong, I'm sure you will tell me. But I'll, I'll also include a scene from Monty Python so you can compare Lord Buckethead. I can't believe I'm saying Lord Buckethead on the radio. Lord Buckethead to the Knights Who Say Knee. It's... I'm getting some askance looks from the other room. This is a real deal. This actually happened. And you know what it reminds me of? It really reminds me of a guy who we have seen now at at least two presidential campaigns, a guy who lives in the, uh, the great Northeast, 
Um, I think he might be related to uh, Blaze writer Kate Scanlon. Uh, Vermin Supreme. Vermin Supreme is the guy who wanted to have free toothbrushes and ponies for everybody in America. And he doesn't wear a bucket on his head. He wears a large rubber boot. So we've had Vermin Supreme run at least twice for president. Unsuccessfully, thank God. And now we've had Lord Buckethead run twice for British Prime Minister. And I think he set his sights a little bit lower as he was uh, running, unfortunately, unsuccessfully, for a seat in Parliament. Uh, I don't know which side of the aisle he would, he would vote with. Very interesting character indeed. Uh, Michael Pelka stepping aside here in just a second. When we get back, uh, I want to take a, a listen to some of the things that the president said in a, um, a speech he gave about infrastructure earlier today. I also want to uh, get back to something I teased earlier, um, the Democrats and their use of language, their choice of language. It really, uh, it really bothers me, some of the things that, some of the ways they're saying things. Because I think right now as we're talking about division and, and the anger and the animus in the world, that we need a little more class in what we're doing. We need a little more gracious behavior and a little less coarse language. And one of the people I've actually sat with and talked to, talked to for a while now is talking like a, well, worse than a truck driver, a dock worker. I'll explain what I'm hinting at next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm getting some response from my uh, Lord Buckethead. Some direct messages. (laughs) Apparently, there's a lot of Lord Buckethead fans out there. And I I might be attracting some crazy crazy people because I just got got a pitch for... um, Somebody from from a, a series on A and E called Paranormal State, and uh, something about a tour called Sir No Face. I have no idea what that. So if you've ever seen the show Paranormal State, they're apparently following us too, and <laughs> we have attracted some weirdos. And I feel like I'm in the com- company of friends. So thank you. Just a little bit before 3 o'clock today, there's an anticipated Donald Trump news conference. 
uh, with the president of Romania. But you know what? All the questions are going to be out. Comey, 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 Comey. So we'll if it starts when we're on air, we'll try and grab a little bit of it. Um, so we'll see. And I talked about language. And I really think that in this time when we are faced with uh, the most divided political situation that I've seen, I think there's so much anger and so much frustration. And you know it's in the people. That's kind of why the choices were made uh, the way they were made this fall. That people went for an untested, never elected businessman to lead the nation versus somebody who's been around for so long. We've gotten so fed up that we chose a complete outsider. I guess we figured the system was so screwed up, nobody could make it any worse. And to Democrats, oh, it's worse. And to Republicans, well, we haven't really changed anything. So it's not really worse, it's just not changed. But I think the, the dumb thing here would be to go low. Remember the saying during the election, even Michelle Obama was out there saying it. When they go low, we go high. Hillary tried to jump on it too. When they go low, we go high. And then I started seeing some printed material from Democrats. Some material that used a lot of Coarse language, rough language, the S word was everywhere. We saw Reza Aslan from CNN, the host of a show, although CNN still doesn't admit that he works for them. The host of a show on CNN calling the president of the United States a piece of ass. And, and there's been worse said about the president. And it's, it's part of Trump derangement syndrome. But now I have to tell you, I'm, 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 kind of, I'm kind of not happy to read the, the story from, uh, you know, it's not exactly a, a major news outlet. It's called deathandtaxes.com. But they have a, a quote they're attributing to Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York. She's the junior senator. It's Chuck Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand. And Gillibrand is somebody I've spent time with. I spent a couple hours with her riding the train from, from uh, New York City to Washington, D.C. I got out in Delaware. But we spent a couple of hours sitting next to each other as we were waiting on the train. And then on the train, actually sat across from the senator. And we talked about it. Talked about everything. One of the most interesting things I thought about Kirsten Gillibrand was how she treated her staff. And I think you judge someone by, by how they treat others, people that work for you. How do you, how do you uh, address that person? How do you respond to them? How do you look out for them? And as I watched Kirsten Gillibrand, a United States senator who could have a little bit of privilege in her, she actually held seats for her staff. She waited to make sure they were okay. And, and I thought this speaks highly of, of how this woman treats her staff. And in the course of our conversation, we actually had a very open and honest discussion about the differences between conservatives and liberals. And no, she will never come on this show. She might now if I call her out. 
because of what she did. She was given a speech at NYU's Personal Democracy Forum and uh, dropped multiple F-bombs. Now, what, what are you doing, Senator? You're one of 100 people to hold that position in the country. It's one of the most respected jobs in the world. And just because you're on a college campus in New York doesn't mean you need to speak like you're, you're on the subway. Somebody asked her about Donald Trump and said, has he kept his promises? And she said, has he kept his promises? No, F no. And of the rights that teachers have today. Whoa, I don't know what that is. Excuse me. That's that's a, a rogue piece of video from the AP jumping in. Kirsten Gillibrand saying we must resist and push back on every horrible thing this president is trying to do. Well, that at least gives her a little leeway, saying we have to resist and push back on every horrible thing this president is trying to do. As she went on speaking, now, first of all, there's no video yet of these remarks. I wonder, I wonder if it's going to be suppressed. But the people from Death and Taxes who are pro-Democrat say that her use of the F word is something that more Democrats should do more often. A writer from Gizmodo named Nolan Hamilton said, it's encouraging to hear more Democrats say, hmm, I don't think so. I think it's only going to divide us more. I think talking like we're on the docks and talking with a lack of gentility and a lack of class is only going to keep us down in the gutter for a longer time. Gillibrand offered, as they describe it here, more realness when she said, fundamentally, if we're not helping people, we should go the hmm home. Fundamentally, if we are not helping people, we should go the hmm home. The writer from Death and Taxes says, if they were a political consultant, I would cut that into a 2010 clip for her. They are looking at Kirsten Gillibrand to be more than just a senator. I guarantee you that. She is telegenic. She's generally articulate. But I hope this trend doesn't continue forward. It's not a good thing, Senator. And you know what? I think she can take a note from a former, a former New York voter. I'll tell her what I think. We'll be right back on Pure Opel. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Welcome back to Pure Opelka. About an hour from now, we're going to learn more about Mothman. Yesterday, we were talking about Mothman on this show, and I know we're just stepping into weird zone here, but it's a Friday. It's a Friday, and we need to kick back a little bit. We survived Kofi Fefe and uh, Comey Fefe 2017. I can't even say it. And uh, I'm trying to say we need to have a few laughs. We need to have some fun. That's why I posted the pictures of um, Lord Buckethead for you to check out. So go, go to my Twitter. Have you jumped on the Twitter lately? You should. I just saw some sad news. One of the most, I, I think, classy actresses of our time has passed away too, too soon at the age of 63, just 63, Glenn Headley. And yeah, I know it's a woman named Glenn, G-L-E-N-N-E, Glenn Headley, just 63 years old. If you saw the Steve Martin movie, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, uh, then you know who we're talking about. She is, uh, was a terrific performer, somebody who came out of the Steppenwolf Theater Company, Emmy-nominated, uh, no cause of death showed up. If you watch the Dick Tracy movie, she uh, she starred across from Warren Beatty, but he got all the attention, and Madonna got attention because she was dating um, Warren Beatty at the time of that movie. But everybody that's talking about her, from Steve Martin, who co-starred with her in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, to Seth Rogen, who's posted saying that she was an amazing, incredibly talented, kind person. Just really a, a classy actress. So rest in peace, Glenn Headley. I appreciated seeing you all every time I saw you on television. Wow. Well, you might have seen her on Lonesome Dove, too. I, I never saw Lonesome Dove, but I was just looking at her IMDb profile. Sad loss. Too soon. Much too soon. Uh, checking on uh, the breaking news, following whatever is going on here. I said the, the president had been speaking earlier. He was talking about um, infrastructure. He was talking about some of the things we need to do. But Rex Tillerson was also holding a news conference just uh, a few minutes ago. And he was talking about uh, Qatar or Qatar, depending on your pronunciation point of view. And now Qatar's been kind of isolated by many of the countries in the neighborhood because there's a lot of extremism that comes out of that, out of that state. And Rex Tillerson has also joined some of the calls for Cutter to tighten up and combat extremism. Now, the reason why we're not jumping on it saying, okay, hold on, hold on. And telling, uh, and joining forces with all of the other countries in that region who are telling Qatar to straighten up and fly right. They've kind of isolated Qatar. The Emirates Air has stopped flying in and out of Qatar. We have two bases there. We have bases that we need. They're geographically important. So while we're telling Qatar to straighten up, we are also kind of cutting them a little bit of slack at this point in time. We'll wait and see what else happens on this. All right, back to Donald Trump. Donald Trump was at the Department of Transportation today talking about infrastructure. He had a couple of interesting things to say. Um, and, and this is um, 
This was from just about an hour and a half ago. I was not elected to continue a failed system. I was elected to change it. All of us in government service were elected to solve the problems that have plagued our nation. We are here to think big, to act boldly, and to rise above the petty partisan squabbling of Washington, D.C. We are here to take action. It's time to start building our country with American workers and with American iron and aluminum and steel. I like that angle. I like that approach. I like the sound of that. It doesn't sound like typical rhetoric. It sounds like actually something that both sides could get behind, right? My administration is committed to ending these terrible delays once and for all. The excruciating wait time for permitting has inflicted enormous financial pain to cities and states all throughout our nation and has blocked many important projects from ever getting off the ground. Many, many projects are long gone because they couldn't get permits and there was no reason for it. We've already taken historic steps to speed up the approvals, including the approval of the Keystone XL pipeline, which was very quickly approved. They were sitting there for a long time saying, well, that project is dead. Then I came into office and all of a sudden, a miracle. And I guarantee you, the consultants went over to the heads of the company and told them what a great job they did. <laughs> I like it when the president toots his own horn. And he's right to do it. He has to do that. He needs, because of all the beatings that the press gives Donald Trump, I think it's only right and fair that he's allowed to get out there and tell people the things he's gotten done, especially in the, in the section of uh, reducing regulation and removing the roadblocks to getting stuff done, like the Keystone Pipeline. The president talks about building and uh, regaining momentum and getting things on track. We will build again, we will grow again, we will thrive again, and we will make America great again. Thank you, God bless you, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, thank you. That was just earlier today, the president speaking uh, at the uh, Department of Transportation talking about the American infrastructure that needs uh, a little bit of help, a little bit of a makeover, and, and he's, he's pushing it. Now, we haven't heard how we're going to pay for it yet. I'm sure that's going to be something that's going to come up later, and, and hopefully uh, with the tax cuts that that will give us a chance to get the economy roaring again. And once the economy roars again, let's hope, and I'm hoping, that we can actually get you. Look, I want better airports. I want, I want better everything in this country. But I want it to be done without us putting another 10, 10 trillion, I, I almost choked on it, 10 tr 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 trillion dollars of debt onto the backs of the Americans today and the Americans to come. We were talking about this earlier today. We forget. But eight years of Donald Trump doubled the debt that we have, doubled it. We went from 10, 10 trillion in debt to 20 trillion in debt, maybe even a little bit more. So Donald Trump, yes, let's bring infrastructure if it brings good jobs, if it brings better roads, better airports, better schools, better everything. 
but let's not do it if it bankrupts the country. Let's not do it if it, it puts on the backs of every single person. Every single person has, has to pay for all this. And, you know, we can't afford what we got already. So let's figure it out. Michael Pelka stepping aside. When we get back, uh, I'll see if we got a quote from Tillerson because he actually did make a, a speech. And there's a couple other little breaking news items I have to get to. Not nude items. Stop it. And um, then around the corner, Mothman. We'll talk about Mothman and more when Pure Opelka returns. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. I just got one of the strangest Facebook messages I've ever received. And if you're not following me or friending me on Facebook, I invite you to do so. Was I looking for a zucchini bread recipe? Shimon, do you remember me ever putting out the call for a zucchini bread recipe? No. <laughs> you no. look like you would, though. Yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm so guilty. I'm raising my hand right now. Yes. I, I. You know what? I love zucchini bread, and I do love cooking. I'm trying to get some skills in baking, but I have to say thank you to Vicki, who said, if you're still in need of a zucchini bread recipe, I conducted an experiment last week when I couldn't find a particular recipe I'd used before. Now, you need a Betty Crocker cookbook to look up the zucchini bread recipe, follow it, and add to the dry ingredients four tablespoons of Hershey's special dark cocoa powder. Well, that sounds good anyway. I think that should be added to just about any vegetable recipe. She says it hides the zucchini from the picky eaters and is very chocolatey. I... Was I really looking for zucchini? I don't remember this at all. But this is why I love social media, because uh, some, of, some of you had sent some wonderful things. And some of you have sent some things that I, there's no way you can prove that. There's no way you can say that about me. That's just not true. And it's not fair. And it's not right. And it's not kind. But uh, <laughs> some of you. Some of you have sent some wonderful, wonderful things. But please, uh, join join the conversation. Always feel like you can join the conversation. You can dial in as well, uh, 888-900-3393. We were talking about the president and his comments on uh, infrastructure. And I just noticed a Mike Rowe. You know Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs and Someone's Got to Do It. Micro has been on this program in the past. Micro is an, not only a friend of the Blaze. Uh, we did some things together years ago. We worked on a project uh, that involved Star Trek's Captain Kirk and Captain Picard. We actually worked on a project where the two captains were available for a, a phone call conference. And something like 10,000 people listened in to each conversation between the two captains, and we did it 
three times in one day. And out of the out of the ten thousand that were signed up for each of these conferences, we picked ten to actually jump in and ask the two captains a question. But Mike Rowe was the guy who was anchoring it twenty years ago. It might have been yeah, it might have been twenty, twenty five years ago. It was a big deal, and that's how I met Mike Rowe. And he's he's on Twitter under the real Mike Rowe, and uh, he made some comments to the president. And I just reached out to see if if Mike would be able. He's he's a very busy guy to be able to join us. But after the president was talking about all the infrastructure jobs, Mike tweeted out something that just very good advice, rock solid advice, saying, "I'd like Donald Trump to acknowledge existence of opportunity isn't enough to get people working." Hashtag make work cool again. He is so right. There are so many jobs that are available right now. There are so many jobs that you can actually get into that pay a really good living. There are, there are jobs like electrician, welder, diesel mechanic, plumber. And Mike says there are literally millions of these jobs open all over the country some of them start at 75 to 100 grand a year. Now, I know that 100 grand, which works out to if, if you were Barack Obama and, and you talked for a minute, you get $7,700 for that minute. If you, if you did that on a monthly basis, that's what you'd make for 100 grand. It's about $7,700 a month. But there are jobs everywhere, and Mike Rose, the guy who's out there, showing people that crafts and trades, trades, not crafts, trades are so very important. And those jobs are never going away. If you're worried about robots taking over, learn how to fix the robot motors. If you're worried about drones taking your delivery job, learn how to fix the drones. Don't bemoan it. Be a part of the revolution. And that's, that's the simple reality. We all have the opportunity. So I just, I lit the bat signal in case Mike Rowe is available. I'd love to hear his thoughts on this. He doesn't really get political, but he's just common sense. And one of the good guys out there. Now, coming up next hour, I've also reached out to our friend Billy Hallowell because Billy has a story on on, uh, Faithwire that's also cross-posted on glenbeck.com that's worthwhile. Um, If Billy can get to us, I'm waiting to see if we'll get a quote from Rex Tillerson. The president is also going to have a news conference in the Rose Garden in about 45 minutes with the president of Romania. Yeah, the questions are going to be about Romania. Hey, uh, Mr. President, uh, who's going to be our next ambassador? No, no, it's going to be about Comey. Donald Trump's lawyer has also announced that he's going to file some sort of complaint against Comey. And we're going to see what that's about. Plus any other news that's breaking. Oh, I didn't give my pick either for, uh, for the Belmont stakes, which are tomorrow. I've kind of lost interest because none of the horses that won the two previous races in the triple crown this year have competed. I'm kind of like, okay, big deal. Thanks a lot for that. Thanks for nothing. So, uh, I have some, um, I also have some Joe Biden news. And some Delaware news, news that's ticking me off about Delaware. And as I mentioned on the Glenn Beck program, 
making me think, uh, maybe we need to get the hell out of Delaware. What is it? Well, it's going to happen on August 4th. I'll explain next hour on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, here we are. The final hour of the six-hour Opelka Marathon, the Pure Opelka-thon, as it's been known to some of the cognoscenti, on the Twitter. You know, it's been a lot of fun this week. I've had a great time in Dallas. Uh, of course, you miss home. But uh, it's been a very, very educational process here. Meeting the people who push the buttons every day. And talking to them face-to-face and getting a little a little extra help. So I'm, I'm appreciative of it. But as we enter this last hour, there's still a lot of work to do. And the phones are open. 888 900 We are 40-so uh, minutes away from an expected news conference with President Trump and the Romanian president. And nobody's going to ask questions about Romania. Nobody cares. Just calm down, people. And offer the guy an apology. We're going to want to know, are there tapes? Are there tapes? Because Comey kind of said yesterday, Lordy, I hope there are tapes. <laughs> I, I want to know if there are tapes too. Brian Stelter at CNN wants to know if the president will testify under oath. And what is Jeff Sessions' fate? Would it be weird? Sessions gives up his job as a senator. He had a pretty comfy gig as a senator. He was pretty well established as a senator, and he gives it up to take on this this position on the cabinet, and then if he loses that, can he jump back in? Because I believe there is a special election coming up for his seat. Can he jump back in and, and get that back? I'm asking for a friend. There's some breaking news that just came out. And... Um, and I think it's kind of ticking me off a little bit. I, I kind of feel the need to rage a little bit. This is breaking news out of Switzerland, where the International Olympic Committee has uh, sent us some, some very important news. Shimon, you know, I think I need to get wound up. You got something that'll help me uh, cut loose a little bit? Got just what you need, Mike. Okay. Do rich people treat you like you're a nobody? Yes. Why are you putting barbed wire in that fence, huh? Just some kind of joke? Just how you do rich people amuse yourself? You put barbed wire all over the fence? Is your entertainment not really amusing? Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Well, you, my friends, suffer from opelkiness. Or in layman's terms, pure outrage. But don't worry, because you're not alone. 
And here on the Blaze Radio Network, we welcome it. So without further ado, here's the craziest man on the Blaze and the ringleader of Pure Outrage, Mike Opelka on Pure Opelka. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. He good. He must be crazy. I don't know how I feel about that. I think I'm going to rage about that. I'm not exactly sure what you're saying about me. The craziest man on the on the blaze. I'll show you. Cra- oh, I'm proving you right, aren't I? So this news just comes out of out of Switzerland, where the International Olympic Committee has released the list of of all the new events and whatever events are going to happen in the um, the upcoming Tokyo Olympics. I think that's 2020. Yeah, the 2020 Olympic program has been put out. Now, cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but intramural sports ended in high school and college. Intramurals end the minute you either get out of high school or you get out of college. But apparently, the Olympics have become the intramural sports Around the world. We now have an intramural league. We now, instead of the five-on-five basketball, we're now going to have three-on-three basketball. As well as, I believe, five-on-five basketball. They're going to have eight teams for men and women. Eight teams for men and women. There's going to be, uh, now this is, uh, I don't understand what Madison races are. I'm, I've looked it up, tried to find out what the heck Madison races are on, on track cycling. Because, you know, they have the velodrome with the uh, banked corners that really fast bike racing. But they said Madison racing. I don't know. They're going to add men's and women's Madison races. I don't know what that is. Swimming is going to add a men's 800-meter freestyle and a women's 1,500-meter freestyle. Yeah, big deal. Now, here's where it gets interesting, and this is where I think we've finally gotten into this uh, intramural Olympics, and maybe that's what we should call it, the new intramural Olympics. They're going to start something called the Mixed Medley Relays in swimming, and there will be mixed relays in track as well. So we now are going to have men's swimming events, women's swimming events, and then there will be events that will be mixed gender. Now, what are you saying? Does that mean transgender? No, 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 no. I think the transgender Olympics are still a couple of years away, but trust me, they're coming. There's going to be a whole transgender games that have to happen just because. But in this case... You're going to have, for example, on the 4 by 100 meter mixed medley, you're going to have to have two men swimming and two women swimming. And then the same thing in the, uh, in the 15, I think in the 4 by 400 meter relay on the track. So you're going to have to have two men running and two women running. Now, they don't say, because I think this is all new and it's all coming out, they're still kind of probably working it out. Is every one of these going to have a, a man as the anchor? Will you have to? Is it getting to be like softball? If you ever played co-ed softball, you have to have uh, how many? You have to have certain numbers of women on the mound. 
or on the field in certain positions. I think the pitchers all had to be women. I can't remember. So now it really is becoming intramural sports. And what is the cost here? They've said that they had to cut some things. So weightlifting is going to have 64 fewer events. 64, I'm sorry, 64 fewer athletes. Wrestling is going to lose 56 places. Sailing and shooting will each lose 30. Swimming will have 22 fewer. Uh, these are these are decisions made uh, at the Olympic Committee, the IOC. They expect, you see here, 48.8% of all the athletes in Tokyo to be female. So in order to have fairness, we have added events which will include men and women. Now, I thought the idea was to have men compete against women. But now we're, I guess that's where this is headed. But I, I'm, I'm officially at, off on the three-on-three basketball. To me, that's playground basketball. That's, it's not the same thing. So I'm a no vote on three-on-three basketball. And I know a lot of you are saying, oh, Mike, why, why can't you go with a little change? No, leave basketball alone. Just leave it, leave it be. Five on five. So what's next? Are we going to have three-on-three hockey in the Winter Olympics? Is that going to happen then? Are we going to play that game? But I don't, I don't, I don't know, Olympic Committee. I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that, you know, we just, we just got to, did they take, here's the, here's the big thing. Did they take golf out? Shamant is saying, please, please take golf out. And I'm saying, no, leave golf in. We're going to have to fight on this one. Leave golf in. If you're going to add anything, if we're going to do what you're doing here, if you're going to do Olympics, what you're trying to do here with three-on-three basketball and co-ed racing, that's good. let's just call it co-ed racing. Let's not call it mixed. Is that what they're calling it? Mixed medleys. Let's just call it co-ed. Co-ed swimming, co-ed racing. Yes, Shimon. I have to interrupt you right quick, Mike. Yes. Because I'm getting kind of irritated. Now, you're telling me that <laughs> they're actually going to give real gold medals. It's going to be like the, the, the gold-plated chocolates medals. Well, that now that's a very interesting point. I, now you're trying to diminish these co-ed Olympics, aren't you? <laughs> so if, if your Olympic medal, if you here's, here's the other thing I have about the Olympics. If you're competing against the best athletes of your gender in your sport, I think, I think your medal size should be in direct proportion to the difficulty of your sport. You know, so example, for example, let's go to the Winter Olympics, Shimon. If you're, if you're throwing those irons on the, on the ice, if you're curling, you know, what do they do? They, they push something. It's a bar game. It's like puck bowling at the bar. That gold medal is the same size as the medal of the guy who jumps off a 90-meter ramp into the sky. You shouldn't get the same size gold medal for pushing a little piece of iron on the ice. And the guy who sweeps in front of it, the guy who's running ahead and sweeping, gets the same gold medal as the guy who launches his body down a ramp 
into the sky, flies hundreds of feet into the sky, risking life and limb, they get the same gold medal. Doesn't seem right. So Olympics, let's fix it. Let's stay out of intramural sports and let's fix it so that the sport you're competing in, the degree of difficulty, the human athletic difficulty of the sport should match the size of the medal you get. So if you're lifting 4,000 pounds of weight or whatever it is in the weight lift, you should get a much bigger medal than the person who's sweeping the ice in front of, in front of the little iron that's walking down. Your shuffleboard on the ice. I know it's Canada's a big sport, so everybody should calm down. I'm sorry, Canada. It's not really a sport. I better take him. Take a break. Michael Pelka. I'm, I got to calm down. It's just the Olympics. I, the Olympics might be over for me, especially if they eliminate golf. And don't tell me they eliminated tennis. Is tennis over? I think it was a demonstration sport. I think they took it out. I want to go see Riley play tennis. By the way, there's a Riley update after the break, too. This is Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. CNN, I know you're listening. It's blue. We have blue underwear on today. At 30 minutes after we talk about Kirsten Gillibrand, CNN's covering the same story. They didn't have it earlier. Now they got it. I know you're listening. It's blue underwear, just in case you're wondering, CNN. Uh, we will be keeping an eye on the, the press conference if it's going to happen. We're also going to learn about Mothman. Because we talked about these sightings in Chicago yesterday uh, about this strange winged creature that people are saying resembles Mothman. So we're going to attempt to learn more about Mothman. I know what you're saying, Mike. Um, what's in your cup? What's in the cup? Well, we're going to talk about Mothman. If you want to do a little bit of homework ahead of time, uh, the Mothman of Mount Pleasant is where you can find out about it. But uh, Point Pleasant, Mount Pleasant. Sorry, Point Pleasant. Thank you. The Mothman of Point Pleasant. We're going to dive deep on that. Um, a couple of other things dangling out there as we wrap up this weekend. We were just talking about the new... The new um, Olympic Games uh, in Japan in 2020 and the announcement of all the new sports. And, of course, this audience responds quicker than anybody talking about uh, the fact that I said, you know, eventually we're going to have trans games. People who were born something and are now uh, declaring or claiming something else, whether they actually changed or didn't change or whatever. I'm, I'm predicting trans games. And... Uh, Toby writes, a cynic would suspect that the gay games would be affected by the eventual trans games. Too few participants, too many games. I see what you did there. I absolutely see what you did there. 
But uh, we were talking in the studio, and people don't realize that, yes, there have been gay games, Olympic events, or sporting events for, I think it's been 30-plus years. And there are many countries, something like 70 different countries attend the gay games. The next gay games are being held in, in Paris in 2018. I don't think Iran will be sending a team. Something tells me Iran and Russia won't be sending a team. Uh, a lot of Muslim-based countries won't be sending teams to the gay games. So uh, you won't be seeing that. But just interesting to note that this audience is on top of everything. This audience understands everything we're doing. Okay, now where was I? Where was we? Oh, we're waiting on uh, the update on the Trump press conference that's supposed to happen. Uh, we are waiting on the statement to come from Rex Tillerson because he's he's making some statements. Um, there was another story there. Oh, this is the story that I, I wanted to hit you with. The accused NSA leaker, uh, the, the one I like to call real winner. Her name is Reality Winner. Uh, she was denied bail today. She had a bail hearing. This 25-year-old who had gotten a security clearance inside the National Security Agency and uh, apparently didn't think she would be in any kind of trouble because, as she told one of her, I think it was a sister or a friend, she would just braid her hair and look cute, and that'd be the way she would get out of, uh, oh, oh, this is what she told her sister in a phone call. How's she going to act in court? I'm pretty, white, and cute. That was her defense. That was her plan to get out. Prosecutors also said that Winner told family members to transfer $30,000 from her account into her mother's account so she would appear to be poor enough for a court-appointed attorney. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine the, I was going to say the balls, but obviously this, this young lady is not identifying or made that change yet. 25 years old, you had national security clearance. You are accused of leaking classified NSA documents. Oh, and we also, according to a CBS News report, learned that this young lady wanted to burn the White House down. Didn't Madonna say that too? Yeah. At the big march, the women's march. But uh, she got no bail. She pled not guilty to charges that she illegally retained and transmitted secret information, national defense information. And uh, that crime, that federal crime, carries a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison. I believe this lady's a flight risk. I believe this lady is a risk to the security of the nation. I believe that uh, I'm, I'm very happy she's not going to be getting bail. She wrote, again, I want to burn down the White House, find somewhere in Kurdistan to live. Ha ha. You can laugh about it all you want right now, little missy, you little real winner. Laughing out the other side of your face eventually when you get into prison. The government says um, 
According to the court documents, the government is not in any way suggesting she has become a jihadist or a sympathizer to the Taliban. I think she's just a progressive who's trying to bring down the, the Trump organization. More details on this as the trial progresses. When we get back, let's talk Mothman, shall we? What's going on? It's craziness. It's Friday. It's pure old Pelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. You know, 14 weeks ago, if I was here in Texas, if I had been here 14 weeks ago before I started using all-natural relief factor, I would have walked into my hotel where I'm staying and said, I'm sorry, I can't climb three flights of stairs to my room. I'm staying at one of those extended stay places. They don't have elevators, and it's got three flights of stairs to the room I was assigned I would have said, no, I can't do it. My knees are killing me. My hips are killing me. And I bounded up those steps this week like a much younger Michael Pelka because I take breakfast, lunch, and dinner relief factor. It's packaged, so you just put them in your bag. You take them at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they they reduce the inflammation. I don't ever take over-the-counter prescription or over-the-counter pain relief or prescription pain relief All I take is all-natural relief factor. That's what causes the pain, the inflammation. Remove the inflammation, remove the pain, and get back to your life. Call them. Triple, I'm I'm sorry, it's not triple eight. It's 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. I guess it doesn't work on remembering numbers. Uh, Or go to relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com. Get the... Three-week quick start pack for $19.95. Tell them Mike sent you, relieffactor.com. I talked yesterday about the fact that my old hometown, Chicago, Illinois, has had a rash of sightings of a strange bat-like creature. And um, there are people in, in the Chicago area who have described the creature, and there are, there are others around... The world who have said, around the country, have said, that, that sounds like Mothman. And I'm like, Mothman? I don't know anything about Mothman. But I guess there is a creature, a creature named Mothman, that's out there in the world, or rumored to be out there in the world. The Mothman of Mount Pleasant to some people. Is it real? Point Pleasant. I keep wanting to say Mount Pleasant. Everybody's yelling in my ear. It's Point Pleasant. Point Pleasant. But it's Mothman just the same. There's a documentary that just came out. Brand new documentary called The Mothman of Point Pleasant. And the guy behind it has joined us to talk to us about it. But let me just give you a little little taste of the trailer. This might seem like just another folktale. It begins like so many rural legends 
But unlike stories told to children to keep them inside after dark, this particular encounter was real. I'm scared. I'm very scared. It very slowly and precisely walked towards us. We heard it walk. It walked right up and, and just stayed on the dark side of the stink line. Did you notice any red eyes or anything at the time? It got to the point where the National Guard had to step in and control the amount of people that were coming into the TNT area. So this is the trailer, which I'll tweet out a link to this because I'm fascinated with stuff like this. But the guy behind it is on the phone with us to uh, discuss this documentary. Seth Breedlove, a filmmaker, a guy who has written, edited, produced, and directed all kinds of shorts and features. But today... Today, Seth joins us to talk about this one, the latest one. Hello, sir. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me on. I love documentaries. I absolutely love documentaries because I always feel like I'm getting a chance to see, not, not, that, not that, you know, fantasy films aren't fun, but I love people that dive into a story and give us a, a, very, a very unvarnished, I, I guess, an unvarnished telling of a story. How did you become involved with the Mothman story? Um, actually, the there was a Richard Gere movie called The Mothman Prophecies that came out in 2002, and that was my introduction to the Mothman story. Um, and it was a story I was always really fascinated with and did, did a moderate amount of research into, um, so much so that when we were kind of prepping for this movie, I thought I'd... I knew everything is kind of what I, I believed anyway. And then when I when I started really delving into all the different aspects of the story, I realized I knew nothing uh, about <laughs> about the many facets to the, the Mothman uh, phenomenon. So it's it's a story that has, um, you know, a decades worth of of research that could be put into it. And uh, some people have done that. So it's it's for me it's of of all these stories we've covered these like small town monster case stories this is the one that is the the biggest it's kind of the granddaddy of all those tales. Well, it comes from originally from back in 1966 when kids apparently said they saw this creature, and yeah. then people I guess came flocking to the area in West Virginia. Yeah. I mean, and and honestly, if you look at a lot of these like rural monster sightings, like people seeing Bigfoot or whatever their local monster is, that's kind of the pattern these stories follow. But um, I'm just not aware of one that exploded in kind of the, at least in the regional eye, um, like it did down in, in West Virginia, because I mean, it, it, it's like, like you heard in the trailer, they literally had to call in the National Guard to monitor how many people were, were kind of traversing this one um, 8,000 acre uh, stretch of property looking to kill a, a Mothman. Oh, they and wanted they, to kill the Mothman. I think, I think more than likely, in fact, there's a line in the movie where the guy, where, where, where the local tourism director is talking about what it was like at the time. And he said that people only had two questions. One was, can we kill it? And two was if there's more than one, can we kill two? <laughs> I love this. I mm -hmm. love the tone of this. And when I look at some of the, the footage of the people and you, you look at the time, 1966, 
I'm reminded of some of the the footage from the original George Romero classic, Night of the Living Dead, which mm-hmm. that this this happened around the same time that movie was shot. Yep. So you wonder if if we were prone to this kind of hysteria. Now uh, we're talking to Seth Breedlove. He's the guy behind the Mothman of Point Pleasant. It's uh, from Small Town Monster Films. You can look at smalltownmonsters.com and learn more about it. Uh, this is on Amazon. Is that what I'm saying? We can get it on uh, via Amazon. Yeah, it's that's kind of our big streaming platform right now. It was the number one new release in the horror genre over the weekend. Um, so it's it's kind of blown up on there right now. We love that. I, I like I said, I'm a documentarian freak. I love talking to documentarians. Uh, I have a brother-in-law who makes a documentary every now and then, but his are his aren't as fun as yours. His his are more boring. <laughs> But but this kind of stuff, which uh, I, I can't wait to see it. And in the midst of it, Seth, are people still going back? Is there is there a uh, sort of an annual pilgrimage to the site? Does Mothman have an ongoing discussion among the, the locals? So Point Pleasant is home to the what is known as the world's only Mothman Museum, which was uh, is actually curated by a guy named Jeff Walmsley, who had a, a part in helping to get our movie made. Um, Jeff runs this incredibly detailed little museum dedicated to the Mothman history and and kind of the history of Point Pleasant as well. And then there's there's an annual festival in Point Pleasant, a Mothman festival, which is, if I'm not mistaken, it is the second largest festival in the state of West Virginia. Last year, they attracted well over 12,000 people to the wow. festival. So it's a, it's a massive kind of event there in Point Pleasant. And I think the Mothman, honestly, for whatever reason, I, I feel like that is a, a story and a legend and a folktale or folklore, however you want to view it. It is, it's, it's a story that people seem to be growing more and more aware of as time goes on, instead of kind of losing it, you know, to history, this story seems to actually be kind of gaining some prominence. Well, is it, is it in any way, shape or form, uh, changing or growing? Is there exaggeration being attached to it? Are we pretty much sticking with the basic facts? And I'm, I'm using air quotes of the initial reports from 1966. I mean, our film is solely letting you know the story from 66 and 67 in in the words of the people who who lived it. And then you can decide for yourself whether you you think they were, you know, there was a mass hysteria or or some sort of weird government experiment. You can kind of make up your mind. Uh, But but definitely, I think over the years, there has been a tendency, especially in like mainstream media coverage of the story to kind of blow some things out of proportion and. And obviously there is a folklore aspect here where over over time the story kind of takes on a life of its own. And, and you know, people who may have never had any actual uh, encounter with the creature start adding their stories to the to the Mothman legend <laughs> and that kind of thing. Yeah. If Brian Williams starts talking about his experience with Mothman, I'm going to be dubious. I hate to say that. Uh, now, have you seen the reports out of Chicago of a Mothman like creature? Yeah, I get I get updates from a guy named Lon Strickler who's actually investigating those. He's the guy that created. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's like a map online yes. uh, tracking the sightings, and yep. that's actually Lon's map. Um, 
and Lon has been tracking those sightings for the last couple months. It's fascinating. I'll tell you what, we were accused originally of fabricating those Mothman sightings to promote our documentary, and I uh, all I had to say to that was, I wish I was that smart. I, I never came up with that. But Isn't it funny? I, people, yeah. people will accuse you of putting Mothman in costumes around a major metropolitan area in order to promote yeah. your documentary. If, if I had if I had the budget for that, I would have had uh, some better effects in my movie. That's that's, that's exactly where I was going. I was going to say, if you had the budget to pay for costume <laughs> creatures to crawl around <laughs> Chicago, uh, this wouldn't be the kind of uh, raw documentary that we usually see. You know, I know what I know the constraints of budgets that documentarians work under. Well. I'm fascinated by the story. I definitely know where I'm going when I get back home, and that's to uh, Amazon to watch this. The Mothman of Point Pleasant. I'll tweet out a link to the trailer. It's also on the uh, YouTube account of Small Town Monsters. Uh, Seth Breedlove, one more question before you get out of here. Uh, any relation to the, the speed demon Craig Breedlove, the, the guy that I used to watch as a kid? Break land records. speed, land speed record holder. Yep. He is he is a distant cousin, from what I've been told. Okay, all right. Well, that's so that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> well, that's that's enough. But I sure appreciate you joining the show today, and fascinated by the topic. Can't wait to see it. Uh, I hope you keep us posted. If you end up going to Chicago to try and find the Mothman of Chicago, I'll I'll be dying to hear about it. Yeah, that's the sequel. Thanks so uh, much good. for having me on. Thank you, sir. Have a great weekend. There he goes, uh, Craig Breedlove, the guy behind the documentary The Mothman of Point Pleasant. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, maybe Donald Trump will pop out into the Rose Garden. If he is, we'll see if we can get one of the questions or two. I, I don't know if we're going to be. He's not coming out until 3 o'clock East Coast time. We'll see. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, life is about having a good crew. Success in life is about having a good crew. And I'm in here yakking about something and Shamat just saved me. I almost sounded like a dope. Thank you, Shamat. Appreciate you. I'm trying to keep an eye on Donald Trump and his news conference that's just kicking off and I don't think we're going to be able to go to it because we're, we're almost out of here today. And uh, I wanted to make sure that this audience, if you weren't here for the Glenn Beck program, this audience heard from me about the Bush Center. I went by the Bush Center yesterday and I had a, a quite an experience, quite an emotional experience. Uh, George W. Bush has an exhibit of paintings that are a tribute to America's wounded warriors. It's called Portraits of Courage, and there are more than 90 of them that George Bush painted in one year. Uh, it is on display. I have tweeted out some of the pictures that I took yesterday, but I will tell you, the, the portraits, which show an incredible skill from a guy who 
didn't didn't spend time painting until after he left the White House. And they show an amazing ability to capture the emotion of these men and women who fought to protect our freedom. George Bush, in his own words, said in, in this book, I painted these men and women as a way to honor their service to the country and to show my respect for their sacrifice and courage. I hope to draw attention to the challenges some face when they come home and transition to civilian life and the need for our country to better address them. He also said, I'm not sure how this art in this volume will hold up to the critical eyes. After all, I'm a novice. Well, sir, what you've done here is is brilliant and wonderful and beautiful. He calls it a tribute to the men and women who volunteered many in the years after 9-11 to defend our country. And he says, I intend to salute and support them for the rest of my life. God bless you, George Bush. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for putting this together. You, you all should go to uh, thebushcenter.org. And if you're in the, the area, make a trip. It's, it's stunning. And with that, I'll just say testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. It was popular to be down and hurt about America and American exceptionalism when Obama was in office. But now all of a sudden your guy is in power, whether it was George Bush or Donald Trump.